Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Welcome to Thrive Church this morning. How's everyone doing? Okay, uh, Tim's doing great. The rest of you guys aren't sure yet. Um, good to have you here today at Thrive. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers and the, and the men here in the house. Um, good to have you guys with us. And we also have a special gift. Pastor Keith let you know more about it at the end of this worship experience. We have a special gift for every man in here. And so you'll get this really cool. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I'm, I'm going to make you wait to figure out what it is. But we have these gifts ready for you on Father's Day. Um, just give you guys a quick update. Uh, last week I was at the Richmond City campus, met with that that group for our final informational meeting, it went terrific. And uh, they're really stoked about what God's doing. And so over the next several months, what we're going to do, we have felt led of the Lord to do the campuses this way. There's several ways to do campuses. Um, One of them is what we call the throw the kitchen sink at them. You've never heard that before, have you? Um, It means that we will use multiple methods of of teaching, a live teaching at this point. And so today, when I get through preaching to you, um, I will um, head out into my car and drive to Richmond City. And then um, when I get done there, I'll drive back for 11 service. Um, If you are sad because you didn't get get, get taught to me, come to service earlier. I'm standing outside. So at any rate, we laugh a lot here at Thrive. If you don't like laughing, you may not like like Thrive. But um, at any rate, uh, be praying for that. We're excited what God's doing there. Had over 50 folks in attendance last week. Um, They're at that campus, and they're still meeting in their fellowship hall. So we're excited to launch that that campus in uh, September. So please keep that in your prayers. I want to thank Pastor Keith for doing such a wonderful job last week speaking. Um, And we were speaking the same message. So what you heard him speak, you didn't miss anything because I was speaking the same message. And so what... What you'll see is we're all, if, if I'm not here and somebody's speaking here and I'm there or vice versa, we're all doing the same series and same notes. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Um, so it requires me to have to actually do a lot of planning. So my, my messages are planned nine weeks out, so we're on the same page. And today, um, we're going to be in Ephesians 1.15. And so last week, you looked at Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. We're in a series called um, Grapes and Giants, talking about Ephesians. And today, we're going to look at Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1.15. So go ahead and turn there in your copy of God's Word to Ephesians 1.15. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm terrible at reading instructions. I'm bad. I hate reading instructions. I'm the guy who gets it and thinks I can put it together. Any, any men like that in here on Father's Day? going to be honest? Yeah, okay, go. Uh, most of the men are like, my wife is an instruction reader. So she's all about reading the instructions and trying to go through it. I'm not, I mean, I get through making the, putting the, putting the grill together or whatever it is, and there's a really bag of important looking stuff left over. So I think this is a fuel regulator. I don't know. Um, honey, do you mind trying out this grill? Because I'm not sure if it's going to work. Um, so she'll ask me, did you read the instructions? And I'm like, is this multiple choice? I mean, is it like all of the above? Because um, I kind of did, but I got really bored reading them. They were very long. Anybody feel the same way? And I stopped reading the instructions. And my wife will also do this to me. I hate it. She's doing kids today too, so um, I can pick on her because she, she's not in here. I hate this. She'll be like, did you know it could do all this? I'm like, yeah. It's like in the instruction manual, it shows you that this device or whatever it is can do all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, I, I knew that. Yeah, I could figure that out. 
Um, but I didn't know it because I didn't read the instructions. I didn't know. Um, and today what we're going to look at is Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. And what Paul shares with them are some really important instructions through his prayer about things they need to know. And if we don't get this today, you're kind of going to be like me in life. You're going to, you know, be living life and have this really, like, there's some stuff I really don't know what to do with. It looks really important. And so today we're going to look at that in Paul's prayer for the Ephesians to the Ephesians. And I've entitled this message, What We Need to Know. Um, that's a man message, What We Need to Know. Look at Ephesians 1.15, and I will finish out the rest a little later. I want to draw your attention to this first. And Paul says, Ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. And watch this. I pray for you constantly. Today we're going to look at what that prayer is and what he tries to teach through that prayer. But let us pray together first. God, we thank you for a beautiful day to celebrate Father's Day. You are the greatest father that we could ever ask for. Where our fathers have failed, where we have been left with wounds and hurts, you're the God that binds up the brokenhearted. You're the God that completes everything where we're incomplete at. You are the father to the fatherless. So we thank you for that today, God. And we ask that as we look into these scriptures, Lord, that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus 2,000 years ago in the first century, that we would get insight into how to grow in our walk with you. And God, teach us what we need to know. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, now this message today is for dads. It's not like your typical Father's Day message, but this is a, the epitome of what dads are. Because um, children in here, if you've ever had a dad, um, dads are always giving advice, aren't they? Right? I don't my dad does. Okay, maybe your dad has no advice at all. My dad's always giving advice that I don't want. You know, he's like, well, son, what you need to do is this, and what you need to do is that. I'm like, gee, dad, I really um, don't want to hear that. But dads are always trying to tell us what we really need to know. And if you're a teenager or a middle schooler in here, will you listen to me? Your parents get a lot smarter as you get older. It's amazing. They become geniuses by the time you're 30 years old. I don't know what happens. I mean, they were so dumb when you were in your teens, right? I mean, you were surprised that they finished high school, and then they just get really smart when you're 30. And so all these things that your dad is telling you that you need to know, listen to it, because it will come back to haunt you. See, Paul is speaking as a father to the church at Ephesus. As we've been looking, he started this church from scratch. He parachutes in with a couple of guys, not literally, but, but figuratively, um, into Ephesus. 250,000 people there, him and a couple crazy friends, go in there to share the gospel to the city. Where there was no Christians at at all. This is in the first century. Ephesus was a major city in Asia Minor. And Paul goes in uh, to this, this city who is entrenched in worship of Artemis. That was a false goddess named Diana. Greeks had one name for it. Romans had another. And the whole city was given over to Artemis. I mean, they all worshiped this goddess. It's, it's amazing. It's like if you go to a, to a city um, that loves their sports team, right? Everybody's wearing the apparel. Everybody's um, wearing the hats. They're all going to the games. That's how it was with Artemis or Diana. Ephesus was given over to her. And Paul goes in 
and launches this church that becomes the most major church in Asia, Asia Minor. And I've said this before, but we've said again, when you read Revelation, not Revelations, hint there, don't, don't ever say that because it makes you not sound smart. Um, Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation, uh, did anybody, anybody get that? Yes. Okay, good. I'm trying to help, help you out a little bit from the pulpit and giving fatherly advice. Um, you'll see seven churches that's outlined there. Well, most scholars believe that the church at Ephesus planted those other churches. They launched them out. Like what we're doing in Richmond City is a mother church. They mothered those churches out. So Ephesus was a major uh, player in that area. And Paul speaks to them as a father. He writes this letter from a prison. Um, you have the prison epistles where he was in prison for preaching the gospel. You know, he didn't knock over, you know, a bank. He didn't evade taxes. He was preaching the gospel and got put in prison. And he's writing to the church at Ephesus and he's sharing with them his fatherly heart with them. Now what he did last week was he deconstructed their idea of Artemis, that goddess, or Diana, you call her either one, um, which feels good to you. If you're named Diana, you'll probably call her Artemis, right? just makes more sense for you. And so he deconstructs their whole worldview about their life in Artemis or Diana. He deconstructs the Jews' worldview about who they are and who they believe they are in Judaism to, to Jehovah. And he shows them who they are last week we looked at in Christ. He's trying to give them their identity in Christ. And last week we looked at that. He continues the thought today in um, Ephesians 1, 15 through 23 of sharing with them his heart for them. Not only, it's good to know God loves you, right? Isn't that good? But isn't it great to know when somebody else loves you too? To know that there's just Jesus in skin right around you that cares. And what happens here, this is beautiful, Paul writes a prayer for these people. Now, thank you for saying, I'm praying for you. That's awesome. But I'm going to tell you the most beautiful thing that, that, that I have um, happened for me. And I'm going to pick on somebody and she'll get mad at me. I usually don't do this without permission, but Elise does this all the time. Pastor Elise um, writes prayers out that I'm praying this specifically for you. And that's encouraging, right? When somebody tells you, I've been praying for you and I'm praying specifically this, that gives you encouragement. Not only that you're being prayed for, that somebody cares for you. And so Paul being in prison and this group of believers are now being heavily persecuted. He wants them to know that he cares for them and he's praying specifically for them. That he loves them. But something he does in this prayer that you've got to really pay attention to. And I love this. We're all guilty of it. But he teaches them through the prayer. Have you, I call them professor prayers. They're teaching through their prayer, right? I mean, we had a professor at Emmanuel named Mr. Oxley. And Mr. Oxley would teach God during his prayers. You're pretty bad you can teach God, right? But not only would he do that, but Mr. Oxley, I learned, would begin to teach us during his prayers as well. He would say, oh Lord, today, I just pray for these students that they would understand the power of preparation in their studies. That they would know to be, you know, studious and they would go to class on time. And he wasn't just praying. I mean, we needed to know that, but he was teaching us through his prayers. And there's people who do that. I tried to not do that because I've been here. But Paul kind of gives him the bait and switch. I'm going to pray for you. And here's what I'm going to pray about because this is what you really need. 
And what we're going to look at is Paul's breakdown of prayer. And let me give you this encouragement today. If you're looking for something to carry home with you on Monday and use, hopefully this, this sermon is useful for you, um, th- memorize these prayers. If it was good enough for Paul to pray for the Ephesians, guess what? It's good enough for us today to pray, pray for our families and our friends and this church. And so as you read this prayer here, what I did, I just got saved. And I read it. I was like, wow. Oh my God, Paul's prayer is in here. What he prayed for that church that took off. And I, I was blo- I memorized it in King James. That's all I had. And so I went through it. And so today I want to encourage you as we walk through this to not only just listen to my message, but take this into your Batman utility belt, put it in there, and use that in your spiritual walk throughout the week to help your prayer life. Let's stop praying God bless some prayers, please. God be with me prayers, because he's already with us. Let's learn to pray specifically for people around us to see impact. So what must we need to know? And here's three things that Paul outlines here. And you can write this in your talk notes. Uh, we're going to start in Ephesians 1.15. And the first thing we must know is this. We must know what we don't know. Somebody say, duh. You've got to know what you don't know. Because some of you don't know what you need to know. And it's killing you. So Paul opens up here with this prayer and he, he tells him, I'm praying for you that you need to know what you don't know. And look what he prays in verse 15. He says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Now just pause for a second. Um, he had left Ephesus for several years. They were a fledgling church when he left, okay? Um, a couple years into it. Now Ephesus has this reputation of being a church of love and the whole region knows about it. It got back to Paul. They were talking behind the, 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 behind the back of the church of Ephesus and it was good stuff. So Paul was stoked and he says, I pray for you constantly. Now look what he prays in verse 17. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he will say this over and over again in this book. I'm praying to God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to show there's no relationship to Diana. Artemis is a false god, a demonic power, is what he's outlining here. So he wants them to have a a Christocentric faith where Jesus is Lord. So he says that. Now here's what he prays. I want you to zero in here. The prayer is to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Let me say that one more time. To give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. So his prayer is, is that they would grow in their knowledge of God. You've got to realize in your life there are blind spots that you can't see about God. Now realize we'll always get to this point where we'll constantly be learning about God. Don't get me wrong. But we need wisdom and insight. Insight is when you look at, oh, I I see what's happening. I understand it. The light bulb goes off. And many of us don't understand some things about God and it's killing us. Uh, We're not living at optimal capacity that God has because we don't know what we don't know. So Paul prays that they would grow in their knowledge of God. See, what what you don't know about God will hurt you. 
even Hosea says, and I'm going to use this a little bit out of context, but my people destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, that was a little, that was dealing with the Jews in that time, but it is true. When you don't know things about God, it, it just destroys you. You live a life, life less than what God has for you. Understand that if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Now, I say that so much, you're like, yeah, okay, come on, guys, shut up. I hear it every week. Move to something a little more, a little deeper, okay? But you have the anointing of God, meaning what's true of God is true of you. Unlimited power is in you. Isn't that awesome? And we'll read about that in Ephesians. He talks about it in Ephesians 3. Now that's great, but do you understand that your mind can limit the unlimited power of God if you don't understand? That's why you, you've got to be opened up. See, I didn't know, when I first got saved in church, I didn't know church could be done any differently than the way we did it at the church I was at. I didn't know that you could, you know, impact communities and go do out, outreach and do that stuff. And when I learned that, God, I mean, unlimited power was in me, right? But it was, it was, it was limited by my lack of knowledge of what God could really do. And so what you have to do is pray that God would give you knowledge and insight into his will into who he is so you can access those good things because you don't know what you don't know do you um, I told you about the pots and pans a few weeks ago um, if you were here you heard about that and you laughed at me there's another chance to laugh at me again if you like doing that but uh, my wife you know has pots and pans that you, you know you cook on the stove with I didn't grow up cooking on stoves I microwaved it that's pretty the limit of what I did then I learned how to grill right men grill. That's manly stuff. Um, but I didn't use pots and pans. So um, what I did was I took our pots and pans and I put them in the dishwasher. I was like, hey, we paid this much money for them. You know, this is, we'll put them in there. I'm tired of washing all these. Because she cooks the best food ever, but she uses every dish we have in the house. Men, men can you agree with that in there? Food's great. And so we had this deal. You cook, I, I mean, you cook, I clean. I cook, you clean. We, we, we pass off. So I just had to clean. I said, I've got a, a faster track. I'll just put these bad boys in the dishwasher. I will wash them all at once. And after a while, my wife's saying, honey, because they, they begin to have like, you know, um, rust and all that. She's like, honey, have you, have you been putting these in the dishwasher? I was like, yes, I have. <laughs> We're getting them twice as fast. And she's like, you can't do that. There's a coating on these things that actually the dishwasher will take off of them. You've got to wash them by hand. I'm like, you're kidding me. So she said, so now I've got to go buy all new pots and pans. So the, the deal was she, she, would, she would quiz me. She said, okay, I just bought these new pots and pans. We're going to be using them in the next few weeks. Quiz. Can you put them in the dishwasher? I'm like, no, you can't. So then she, she up, she's like, you know, I bought these pots and pans and they're a really great deal. They have this coating on them. They're, they're really professional. They're high grade. Can you put them in the dishwasher? I was like, hold up. That's a trick question. Because if they're such high grade, that means I should be able to stick those bad boys in the dishwasher. And what she's like, no. It's like, oh. So now I know that all those have to, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And some of y'all think I'm a complete idiot and that's okay but I didn't know that you couldn't just put pots and pans in a dishwasher until my wife gave me wisdom and insight into that situation now you're laughing at me but for some of you your pots and pans are life you're doing some really dumb stuff because you don't know what you don't know and so you pray every day, God, give me wisdom and insight so I don't do dumb stuff. Now, that sounds pretty crazy. I pray that. 
God, help me not do dumb stuff today. It's one thing if you're really trying and you're really moving forward and you make some mistakes. We're going to do that, right? Okay, maybe only I do that. But the rest of you don't make mistakes. Uh, if I'm coaching sports or working with a team, if a player is trying and they're going after it and they foul somebody because they're trying, that's good. But making dumb mistakes is, is, is not, you can't do that. So you, I pray every day, God, give me wisdom and give me insights. I don't do dumb stuff. Because don't it feel bad when you do something dumb and you realize that was stupid? So we pray every day, God, give us that so we can grow in our knowledge of the Lord. Because what you don't know, you don't know. Here's the second truth this morning that we find in this prayer. What do we need to know? And here's what Paul outlines. You can write this in your notes. We have incomparable hope in Christ. We have incomparable hope in Christ. And it's found in Ephesians 1.18. And Paul says this. He says, I pray that your hearts be flooded with light. Why? Why do we need that, Paul? So that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he's called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Now Paul is writing this about confident hope because they begin to get the hammer put down on them. Realize this is, uh, you know, probably, if I get my timing right, 45 A.D., and the Roman government is starting to really crunch down on Christians. Paul's put in prison. He's the number one, uh, besides Peter and James, number one proponent for Christianity at this point. He's put in prison. The Ephesians are scared. Remember they lost their jobs? Because if you worship Diana, you probably made shrines for her or ball caps for her or t-shirts. And you've lost your jobs. You've lost your livelihood. And so I don't know about you, but I think the church at Ephesus may have lost some hope. And then Paul gets put in prison. And he, he'll address that a little later in this letter about his imprisonment. And it's okay that he's in prison. But they were losing hope at this point. So Paul prays that their hearts are flooded with light. So they would know the confident hope because of by who they were called. And that's what we should pray uh, daily for our lives and our families as well. Is that we can have hope. See, you must understand something, guys. You're going to face trouble as a believer. Please don't want to say amen. amen. If I told you you're all going to be millionaires, you'd be cutting flips and kicking chairs over and running laps and getting real Pentecostal on me. But if I say, you're going to face trouble. See, that's what Jesus preached, though. I had one time somebody got really mad at me for preaching that. And they're like, oh, rah, rah, rah. I was like, well, that's what Jesus said. I mean, he said, in this world, you will have trials, trouble, tribulation, whatever version you have. You're going to be in trouble. But in me, you can have hope. And that's the beauty. It's not that God takes us out of every situation. And Paul didn't say that. I pray your hearts be flooded with light so every obstacle is removed. But I pray your heart be flooded with light so you would have confident hope in the middle of the trials that you're going through. Incomparable hope in Christ. I want you to realize this. No matter what you're going through today, no matter what you're facing, you can have incomparable hope in Christ. In any situation that you're facing. Paul was in prison writing this, friends. He wasn't, you know, at a, at a TV station getting your offerings, driving a Mercedes, writing this stuff. With his picture on the front of a book. Dude was in prison, Roman prison. Talking about you can have hope. 
I know they're looking at him saying, Paul, I, I pity you. And he's like, no, I have hope in Christ. And you've got to realize that I can have hope in any situation because I'm called by God. I tell myself that every day as well. I pray that for you as well. Do you understand when I pray for Thrive, I pray that your hearts are flooded with light so you would know the confident hope by who, him who's called you. See, there's a man who walked up to a Little League baseball game. He looked at the score, and the score was 18-0. It was only the first inning. <laughs> See, he goes up to the team that's losing. He says, son, are you guys discouraged? He says, no, sir, not at all. Why? He says, we're down 18-0. He says, oh, no, that's okay. He says, we haven't even got up the bat yet. <laughs> that's a positive way of looking at it, right? Uh, Claire Luce Booth said this. She said, there are no hopeless situations, but only people who've grown hopeless about them. And I think that will be true of us today, that when you follow Christ, when you're a follower of Jesus, you can have hope in any situation that you face. Any situation that you're facing, no matter what you're facing. And I want you to say this with me. I can have hope. That was terrible. I can have hope in any situation because I'm called by God. Every morning you get up, say that. You can't see hope is only as good as the object you put it in. And God's a pretty good object to put hope in, I would agree. He never fails, he never gets tired, he never gets upset or frustrated. You can put your hope in him no matter what you are facing. And finally this morning, your final point is this. It's found in Ephesians 1.19. Not only uh, do we need to know what we don't know, and we have incomparable hope, but here's the other thing that you have. We have unlimited power in Christ. We have unlimited power in Christ. I want you to watch this prayer here. He's going to pray and then he's going to teach. And I love this. He prays and then teaches. He just gets excited. And um, Pat, if you'll come at this time. He says, I also pray that you will understand. See that understand again? Don't know what you don't know? The incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. That's the prayer there. See, do you know what I pray for you? Guess what I pray for you? Can anybody guess? This, this verse here. You just failed. Okay, we're going to start the message over, guys. Turn, no, I'm kidding. My prayer for you is this, that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. See, you have unlimited power. And look what Paul goes on to say here. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Paul is preaching right here, right? I don't know about you, this is good. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. That's when you pass into eternity. For God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Now do you see what Paul does? He says that you have God's unlimited power in you. 
And then he goes on, and, he, and this is strategic why he goes on this little rant about Jesus. Because remember, they thought Diana or Artemis was the source of blessing and power. He says, uh, uh, there's no higher power. Well, I believe in higher powers. Well, and according to the Bible, that, that, that's just a demonic power. Christ is above every power. He is the ruler over all things. You may not like it, but it's true. And Paul goes into that to show them that the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in them. And I want you to realize this here, guys. Not only do you have hope that God help me get through it, but you have power. Unlimited power is inside of you. And Paul wants them to understand that because if you don't know what's really inside of you and who you really are, then you'll never be able to, to see God do something great. See, all things are under his feet. There's a, there's a little song we used to sing in church, and I pray we never sing it here because it says the enemy's under my feet. And I've defeated the enemy and I've done this. But do you know the truth of the matter is Christ defeated the enemy. We should be saying he defeated the enemy. I was a bystander watching. I had no part in it. And now I get to partake in his victory. And that's what Paul's saying. That Christ, all powerful, defeated the enemy, rose from the dead, now lives in you and me. So that means whatever addictions you're facing, that means whatever issues that you're going through, doubt, insecurity, fear, that you can say, you know what? I don't have to live like this because Christ's power dwells in me. And friends, let me say this to you because some of you are sitting here and you've, you've had a bad week. I'll be real with you. How do you know that, Pastor Kevin? I had a bad week too. <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> if we surveyed everybody's week, only a few of you had a really good week. And what happens is this. You start judging how much power is in you by how much performance you've actually done. Well, I was a good Christian this week, so God's power is really in me today. L let me say this. There are no junior varsity Christians in Christianity. There's no, none of you in here have less of this power of the Holy Spirit in you than I do. Well, he's the pastor. He must just be really powerful. No. I just understand and realize that it's not based on my performance. But the moment you accept Christ and you believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose three days from the grave, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. Isn't that awesome? And you're not a junior varsity Christian. And there's not like varsity and junior varsity and then like all pro and then hall of fame. Because isn't that the way we look at things? Let's be real. What if, could you imagine how much different your life would look and my life would look if we realized this? And God's power will show up at the weirdest times for everybody. Some of you are facing addictions today that you wish you could kick. You're sick of them. Some of you are tired of looking at the same internet sites over and over. Others of you are tired of picking up cancer sticks and sucking them down and knowing it's killing you. Others of you, man, you can't drop the bottle at night and, and you don't like it. I'm not beating you up. But I'm here to tell you something. That it's amazing that if you continue to persevere and every day pray, God's power is in me. His unlimited power is in me. I can do anything in Christ. Then one day, I'm telling you something, you're going to see things fall off of you. And it won't all happen the same. See, for me, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol and crack cocaine and everything you could. If I could snort it or smoke it or drink it, I'd do it. 
and I went to an altar, gave my life to Jesus, and addictions were broken. That's why it's hard for me to counsel drug addicts. I mean, I just surrendered to Christ and dove into the Word. That's why, that, that's what worked for me. God's power showed up that way in that situation. And some of you are looking at my story saying that should happen for me. But I'm telling you, do not quit or give up. Every day, you need to have the understanding that God's mighty power that raised Christ from the dead is in you and working on your behalf. And He is helping you with those things. Don't quit and give up. Don't say, man, I, I don't know if I ever beat this thing. Because it will show up at the weirdest times. Um, I, I, I had a a couple here recently who told me they said man I'm we're going to quit smoking <laughs> it's awesome it's not that smoking don't say any hell it's just smoking's really bad I mean my, my dad's up in ICU now because he's, he, his lungs are terrible because he smoked it's just bad for you okay so he's drinking Coca-Cola's every day um, but I didn't have to preach on those things to get someone to try to quit those things the more you understand God's power and God's plan for your life, the more that stuff, and then one day you're going to wake up and say, I'm not doing this anymore because of God's power in me. I'm going to kick this thing because of God's power in me. Paul prayed for them to understand. Friends, my prayer for you here is that you would know what you don't know. You have spiritual wisdom and insight into the knowledge of God. My prayer for you is that you would have a confident hope from where God's called you. And that you would understand the power of God that lives in you by way of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that if we got this, our lives would look different? I, I do. And so I want to challenge you. As we look at Paul's prayer on Father's Day and he speaks as a father to that church, I want to challenge you to take this prayer, stick it in your back pocket, pray it for yourself, pray it for your family, pray it for this church. And please pray it for me because I don't have a lot of common sense. I put pots and pans in a dishwasher. Cried out loud. I need all the spiritual wisdom and insight I can get as well. I want to pray for you this morning, if you will, bow your head and close your eyes.